0: Hi, I'm Lily. I have an educational background in public health, specifically epidemiology. So my interests are in disease research. And if you asked me what I was gonna do this year, I wouldn't have answered that I would be teaching adult mental health first aid as an AmeriCorps volunteer, but I'm really happy that I am.
1: Healthy Minds Alliance is an innovative AmeriCorps
0: program managed by Health360 that engages AmeriCorps members of all ages and backgrounds to meet critical mental health needs in communities served by their host sites. AmeriCorps members serving with the Healthy Minds Alliance receive a stipend during their 10-month service term and upon completion of their service term, receive an education award, which can be used to repay qualified student loans and to pay current educational expenses at eligible institutions of higher education and training programs. If you're interested in becoming an AmeriCorps member or would like information on how your organization could become a host site, please see
1: our show notes for information on how to apply. Welcome, current, former, future AmeriCorps service members. My name is Michael, and I will be your host for today's Healthy Minds Alliance podcast. I'm also a currently serving AmeriCorps member. Joining me today is Lily, who is serving with Health360 with host site Cascadia Health. Lily, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, Michael. I'm glad to be here. I'm
1: excited to have a chance to chat with you today. So just tell me a little bit about Lily. Again, I ask this question of everybody. Uh, so you can feel free to say as much as you want about yourself personally, what you do outside of your service, or you can focus on just what you're doing at Cascadia Health. Just really, you're sharing with strangers on the internet. So tell me whatever you're comfortable sharing in that regard, please.
0: Right now, I'm serving at Cascadia I completed my bachelor's degree this last June. So I've really been a full-time student for the last four years and working at the same time, sometimes two jobs. Um, So it's interesting. I actually feel like I'm less busy in a lot of ways than I've been in a long time (laughs) and getting back into doing things like cooking, hanging out with my cat and moved back to Portland, which is where I went to high school. And so I've been reconnecting with family and friends that I haven't seen in a long time, all while starting a new service position, um, that I, I get to do really important work in our communities most days. And some days I do a lot of typing, but those days end up being what sets me up for success. The emails that I send, the meetings that I attend, all of those things feed into a training day and the training days are really what makes my entire month. So there's a good balance. Um, and I'm learning new skills. It's just been a great time all around. I think learning is what drives me. So having an opportunity to be in a position where we have opportunities to build new skills and then apply them regularly kind of just fits with like who I am as a person. And so that's been a really great fit.
1: So you, you had mentioned in your introduction that you are doing the, uh, the adult mental health education courses. Mm-hmm. I am trained to do the youth mental health, but in those classes, I'm teaching adults who will be working with youth. So we are focused on like educators, coaches, uh basically anybody who will be working with kids, uh youth. That's who our target audience is. So when you're doing the youth mental or excuse me, the adult mental health education, is your focus to reach people who themselves might need training or is it with adults who be, will be working with adults who might need that awareness education? Because I just I'm not I don't know how that course works. I've never taught it or taken it.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I would say you know we're we're experiencing really a mental health epidemic in the united states so i don't know that i can narrow it down to what people get out of it i think people are really surprised by where they end up using the skills that they learn in a training whether that's in their personal life or their professional life especially when i'm training people with advanced degrees. I've trained a couple um, folks who are QMHPs or qualified mental health professionals um, or like peer counselors, peer providers, crisis line operators. And sometimes what they get out of it is um, how can I be sort of the mental health first aider's dream person to help? Like, how can Mm -hmm. I be more open, more honest about what I need from people? How can I respect people's boundaries when I'm asking for help? And you know, if I accidentally cross somebody's boundary, how can I not blame myself for that, but just learn to work through it and move around it? So I think people get really different things out of it. And the different adults that I'm training come from a wide variety of backgrounds. Um, some of them are internal staff. So like you mentioned, I work for Cascadia Health and we're a behavioral health care provider mostly. We have some primary care services, so, you know, regular sort of doctors, appointments, nurses visits, things that you could think of. We also have a housing arm. So there's some folks that work in affordable housing who don't really have any mental health first aid or mental health training in their background. And so I end up training some folks internally. And then I do a lot of community partnership, outreach, training, people who work at other nonprofits in the area, if you want to hear about those.
1: Oh, yeah, please. Um, so so one of my questions I usually ask people uh, that are in your roles, like, you know, tell me a little bit about your host site. You kind of already did, but I just want to give you the you know, full runway. Is there anything else specifically you'd like to mention about Cascadia Health, what what you were doing there or what its overall mission is, or just anything else you want to share about the host site, just because we're already there?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think there's a really interesting sort of shift in how mental health first aid has been taught Um, or trained at Cascadio for the last couple of years. They've had multiple AmeriCorps service members who are in my role um, over the years, but prior to this year, they were doing fundraising. And then we got a grant from SAMHSA last year that has covered the cost of trainings. And so we've really been able to shift focus from, you know, how do we get people in the room to Everybody who's in the room is now getting this training paid for by the government, which is a great opportunity. So how can we expand access? How can we make the trainings more responsive to the populations who are being served, things like that? And it's been really great because although I love fundraising, I think being able to step out of that lens of like, where is the money going to come from, gives me a lot more room to kind of connect with people one on one. And I think that really fits into the mission of Cascadia, you know, integrated care is a really big focus here, trying to make sure that people have access to basic needs, like access to more advanced services that they might need, kind of trying to treat people as whole people. And so as much as I can do that in my limited role, I try to.
1: I'm very fortunate as well. The the school that I serve at also has received some uh, governmental grants for mental health education and awareness. So the, off, the courses that I offer are also paid for. Our school, uh, and that is a that is a big, I use it, I guess selling point. But like when you're reaching out and you're trying to get people to take the course and you know talk about the benefits, it does help when you can say, oh, and by the way, it's a free course. Gen- and I do like to tell people usually it's not like this is something that people pay hundreds, some, sometimes upward of hundreds of dollars to attend, and we are covering that for you. Uh, sometimes. Like if you, and this is just completely off topic, but I feel like sometimes if you approach someone and say, hey, I'm trying to give you something for free, there's like an immediate like, oh, what are you, you know, is it one of those things where you're just like like a pyramid scheme or like a timeshare or something? But it's like, no, this normally would cost you, but we are providing for free because of this. I, there's just like a legitimacy, I guess is the word I find, that it helps break down some barriers and let people go, this is actually valuable. I can see the value in this. Uh, that you were then providing for free.
0: I don't know if that's valuable insight or not, but it's something I've noticed. No, it's true. I think people's perception of it shifts when they understand that like the, the training does have a value, a real value on it. Right. And we're just getting that funding from a different, very generous source.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So usually I do that in the other order, but we're going to jump back into to more about Lily. So, so you mentioned you just finished up your uh, undergraduate degree in June. When did you start your AmeriCorps service?
0: So... Right when June ended, I took an internship with Cascadia. So I was with them before my service began, but I was in a different role. I was working in a population health department and we were Mm -hmm. doing community needs assessment in the three counties around our administrative office, sort of trying to figure out what services people need access to or if those services already exist, what that access needs to look like, things like Mm -hmm. that. And then as I was wrapping up that internship, I was thinking about next steps and I really wanted to stay with Cascadia in some capacity. I think it's a great organization. And I was speaking to my supervisor at that time, who's friends with my current supervisor. And she sort of mentioned, you know, there's this AmeriCorps position that's in our people and culture team within the training department specifically. I think you'd be a really good fit. And it just kind of went from there, you know, with the regular AmeriCorps interview process and figuring out more about what the role would look like.
1: Because it's always one of the, my questions. I'm just interested in how various people come to AmeriCorps because, you know, it isn't something that is widely known. I have found that, you know, within certain niches, there's like, oh, yeah, everybody knows about it. But there are wide swaths of people have no idea what it is. So I'm always just curious how people get into that role. Uh, some people, it's a friend of a friend coworker, cousin, someone who did it before, uh, you and I seem to have a similar entry point that I started working uh, an actual job at a place. And they said, oh, by the way, this is another thing that you can also do if you wanna continue working with us or serving with us. So it feels nice to be needed and wanted and to have someone go, we don't want you to leave. Here's a way that you can continue to help us as well as helping yourself. Uh, And the education award's not bad. Like if you you can hit all the things, that don't hurt either. So are you looking to maybe stay with Cascadia Health after your service terms in? Or are you looking at a second service term or have you even thought that far ahead yet?
0: I have thought that far. Um, I want to circle back really quick because I think with the how people get to AmeriCorps, I learned about AmeriCorps as a pretty young kid because my mom did it in the 90s in Costa Rica. Oh. And some people don't know that AmeriCorps happens outside of the continental United States either. So I think that's just an interesting, I was aware of it, but didn't really consider it for myself until an opportunity actually presented itself. Mm -hmm. Um, But my mom had a really great experience. And I think that that pushed me to consider it as an option because I kind of knew about that ahead of time.
1: Very cool. Thank you for sharing that with me.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, next steps, I applied to grad school in November and December. And um, I applied to mostly schools in the East Coast. So it's now a waiting game of waiting to hear back from people. But I'm really excited that I have this, you know, educational award that's kind of on the horizon and that I'll get a chance to apply that pretty much right away as like part of what I'm doing next. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm looking at master's in public health programs. So I think the AmeriCorps service term has confirmed that I'm interested in public health, but broadened my understanding of what that means beyond what I got in my undergrad. Right.
1: Very, very cool. So within Cascadia, you're you're currently in this AmeriCorps position. So beyond administering the mental health education, mental adult mental health first, graders, I don't know why I can't talk today. And I'm sure there's like admin side of it. You talk about, you know, you're trying to let people know about it and get them into the room so that you can do the training. Are there any other um, responsibilities or tasks that you're doing on a day-to-day basis that you would want to share? Like, what does a, a week look like for Lily at Cascadia?
0: Each week looks a little bit different. It depends on how many trainings I have. So the me- the most trainings I would have in a week is three, which is actually a lot to do a training yes. on like Monday, Thursday, Friday, or whatever that looks like. Um, but usually if I have a week with three trainings, then the next week it'll be coordinating other sort of things besides having a an in-person session. Let's say I come into the office on a Monday, the team that I work in onboards all of the new employees for Cascadia. And so usually there is just a lot happening. We'll have like 30 new people who are not connected with AmeriCorps, with the Cascadia organization, kind of going through the building, getting to know things. And um, we've, we're actually right now, trying to implement some mental health first aid training for what we call mental health aid. So those are people entering the organization um, with no background in mental health or really health care at all. And if they want some training, some additional training besides what they get during the onboarding process, then they can join a mental health first aid session. So a lot of my weeks recently have been sort of around this launch of this new arm of training right. Honestly, a lot of meetings because I'm in an administrative role. We just have to meet a lot. You know, there's logistics to figure out and needs that different people have. And the benefit for me of sitting in on trainings with admin is, you know, being a fly on the wall, kind of getting to see the inner workings of an HR department, which I think for some people sounds really boring. (laughs) But I've always been interested in working in a hospital. So being able to get a glimpse inside of a healthcare organization is really useful for me and figuring out if that's still an interest of mine and what that might look like, what Mm -hmm. role I might want to have. Participants contact me all the time about Mental Health First Aid Connect. I love the site because I've gotten used to it, but for participants to have to learn a new website, there can be a learning curve. So I spend Mm -hmm. a lot of time doing tech troubleshooting with people and making sure that they're set up for success when they come in for training day. Yep. And calling people, I mean, I think the one side of being a mental health first aid instructor is that we're also pretty qualified to deliver mental health first aid to help somebody if they're, you know, having a mental health challenge. So I have had some participants who have, you know, dealt with pretty serious issues recently. I had a participant who had had a member of their team just pass away. And they were signed up for training and they really didn't want to miss the training they wanted to come but we also had to be mindful of the fact that they had just had a major event happen so you know a lot of work can just go into making sure people feel emotionally ready to come and attend that day or making the decision that it's not a great time um, and trying to work through that with them.
1: So I just want to jump in there. Um... Are all of your trainings in person or do you do any virtual trainings?
0: We have one partnership right now who prefers virtual trainings. So once a month, I do a virtual training and the other three or four that I do in a month are in person.
1: I just as a presenter, I much prefer in-person trainings. It's just, uh, again, there's there's something about being in the room, seeing faces. You, It's easier to figure out like who's with you, who's not, do we need a break? You know, is everybody like there. Uh, I just find that harder to do over Zoom. I know it works and sometimes it's it's all you can do, but I just prefer to do them in person. But most of ours lately have been virtual. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a, I have a, a co-service member who also, we do all the trainings together, uh, but we did one for a group in a Texas uh, school teachers. Uh, we are in Southeast Kentucky. So that was, you know, we weren't going to drive there for that one. So I was just curious if, uh, is this something that if someone is in Arizona, and they are looking for that course, would they be able to work with you to still get the training free because Cascadia pays for it, the mental health grant pays for it, or do you have certain qualifications as far as like location-based or organization-based that they would have to go through. Just just curious. It's fine if you want me to cut all that out because it's no, but I was just curious how that works.
0: No, that's a great question. And I mean, the answer is no, but I think you can leave it in because it's a reality of grant funding, which is, you know, when we submit a proposal, we have a target population, a catch area, and that happens to be local because the goal of the grant is to increase our local capacity to support people through a really hard time, you know, this kind of mental health epidemic that we're experiencing. We also have a pretty extreme crisis around unhoused individuals in Portland and trying to get them into permanent stable housing and also connected with resources and employment, things like that. So Mm -hmm. yeah, our grant is local. I have worked with one group on the East Coast to plan a training, but they did have to pay for it. Um, And we kind of made the decision to go through with it anyway, because we couldn't find any servicers in their area who did have grant funding.
1: Yep. And we've somewhat similarly to that, we've had some people who want to do local, but they've gotten contacted with me through friend of a friend or someone who's in the course that knew somebody who knew somebody. And yeah, I'm like, I I can't do that one for you, but We'll see if we can find someone local, and again, that's where like Emily and Mercedes are great. Uh, You can email them, and you know they'll they'll go do all the Scooby Doo investigating and and figure out who the right person is for that group. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about Cascadia. Um, I always like to give people an opportunity. If there's anyone within that organization, someone a coworker, you know, technically we serve, but we call them coworkers uh, or a supervisor or someone you just want to shout out or or say thank you to, this is an, an opportunity for you to do that.
0: I would love to shout out my coworker Victoria. Honestly, I think since joining the team, she has just been like the most welcoming person. I can't imagine working with somebody who is more driven, you know, somebody who's more consistent and she really shows compassion. She's on our trauma support team, which was an effort to train a lot of people. Um, I think it's like 20 to 30 people throughout the organization who are trained to provide acute support after traumatic incidents. Um, within the workplace if they come up. And she's on that team and just has, you know, helped a ton of people through different things where they otherwise may have had to find a personal therapist or take a lot of time to go through an employee assistance program, which is an amazing resource that we should take advantage of anyway. But having that personal one-on-one connection is just so invaluable. Yeah, I think, yeah, I'd like to shout out Victoria. Okay. I think one of the realities of being an AmeriCorps service member in a team that don't have that role is that it can be siloing if everybody else in that space is doing a different job. But having coworkers who go out of their way to involve me and in everything else that's going on and who really want to take the time to learn what AmeriCorps is and what we do is really helpful.
1: One of the things I like to talk about with AmeriCorps, again, you know, we we provide a service, uh, you know, we do service work, but there's also things that we get from. Obviously, we get the stipend. If we hit all the, the qualifications, we get the education award. But is there anything, and this could be as fundamental as like a new skill that you've mm-hmm. learned, like becoming a trainer or an individual moment and experience. Is there something that you've gotten through your training that you just want to shout out as like. I probably wouldn't have gotten to do this otherwise or it's just an important thing that's that's hit you in a certain way. So it could be a moment with you and a participant in a training or the fact that you do trainings at all. I'm I'm setting up the question terribly, but is there anything within your service that you just want to shout out like, it's super cool. I got to do this because of X, Y, or Z.
0: Honestly, so many things. My supervisor has been really supportive in, you know, if I have time that would otherwise be filled In, like, doing administrative work or something like that, in just volunteering in the community if there are opportunities. So, I've volunteered with a local group called Hygiene for All that provides showers and clean clothes and hot meals. I've done job and career fairs. I used to be an academic and career advisor. And so, being able to give those skills to the community for even a couple hours in a week has been something that I would not have the ability to do in a different role. You know, it Mm -hmm. provides a lot of flexibility to interact with the community in more ways than maybe the the service description says at the beginning Um, so that's been really amazing I think you know I don't know if you were youth mental health first aid certified before your role were you no no and I was not adult mental health first aid certified and it's an expensive certification to get if there's no support there's no backing so having a role where there's not only financial support to be trained but ongoing support to be a better trainer is pretty incredible
1: mm-hmm.
0: and being able to take those skills forward into you know whatever community i join next i think the last thing that's really stood out to me is i live in a predominantly white city and i've been to a fair few number of trainings and generally trainers are not minorities they're not from marginalized groups or you know underserved groups and i grew up you know on the chip program on food stamps you know lots of government assistance sort of funded my childhood and i'm also a person of color and so being able to be a trainer and bring those lived experiences into a space has been important for my participants i think mm-hmm. the best moments that i've had i mean i i did a training yesterday and When I had wrapped up, you know, gotten all the supplies, wrangled the Expo markers, got back to the office, sat down on my computer, and I got an email from one of our participants who basically was like, I cannot express the utter joy that I had knowing that my presenter was a person of color, that he's been through lots of trainings over the course of his career feeling that sense of presenteeism that we actually talk about in mental health first aid of of being there physically but not being there emotionally not being like mentally invested in what's happening in the room and that having a trainer who he could connect with as far as lived experience goes made it different and that he's really looking forward to the next session because this was a two-day split where we do you know half the class Mm -hmm. and then the other half and so That really warms my heart. And I think that, you know, it's something we need more diverse voices in every sphere, but especially in training where people are getting information that is culturally responsive, that is relevant to their communities. And I mean, I wish that I was a bilingual trainer because I think that having more languages that we can speak, you know, it's just all of that becomes really important in people's learning process. So I feel grateful to be even a small part of that.
1: So, you mentioned again Cascadia Health, so it sounds like obviously it offers lots of different services. If there's someone who's listening who is local to your area and they are in need of services, is there a website? Is there a call line? Like, How would you want someone to reach into your organization if they are looking for help for them or someone they know?
0: Yeah, CascadiaHealth.org is where people should head first and it really just you know gives an overview of the services that they might be able to access Um, and the any sort of contact information that they would need to request services is on that front page the number is 503-674-7777 i think one of the services that i think is most important for community members in general is that we have a 24-7 emergency walk-in clinic on division um, and local people should know where that street is um and it's in partnership with OHSU, which is another big hospital system in Portland. And so if, you know, if God forbid someone has a crisis in the middle of the night, that's somewhere you can go that it's not the ER, but it is an urgent walk-in center and you can see somebody. And I think that's that's a really important thing for a lot of folks.
1: And as always, again, I'll put links to anything we talked about in show notes to make it easy. I'll put the phone number there as well make it easy for people to get to if they need to. Yeah. So I've only got a couple of questions left. Uh, so one I always like to ask, you know, so you started your AmeriCorps service in June, which means it's probably gonna run till April ish, usually about 10 months. So you're not that far away. If you could go back and tell Lily something in May that might help you either be more successful or be in the right mindset, or or just what would you would have wanted Lily and May to know before joining AmeriCorps and getting into your service?
0: I have a background mostly in preschool teaching. I was a preschool teacher for six years, and I wasn't sure that the teaching skills that I had from working with people aged three months to five years would translate at all to adult learning. (laughs) Okay. So even though I know that I'm an effective communicator, that I'm an empathetic person, I was worried about the learning curve of stepping into a training and you know, needing to reframe my thinking to working with people who are often older than me. And I think there was some fear because I'm in my early 20s that, you know, if I was training people who had a lot more life experience, maybe were twice my age, that I wouldn't, you know, have their respect, I guess, as somebody who has training and has a lot of experience, but doesn't have their life experience. And that has not been the case at all. So I think I would go back and you know, really, really tell myself like it, everyone is pretty gracious with mistakes, but also to just have faith and optimism that things generally work out if you work hard. Right. And the hours that I spent practicing the curriculum, the hours of asking lots of questions, so many questions to the people that I, you know, serve alongside that right. <laughs> I, I thought I might be driving them crazy, all of that was necessary. Um, and nobody ever minded if anything, they were happy that I was as invested in this work as I am. So the last thing is just things come up that are totally out of our control. I know in Portland last week we had an ice storm and there was, I think about three inches of ice on every street, just solid ice. No one could drive. People were having a hard time walking. We, you know, had lots of down power lines and pipes bursting and there are elementary schools that are closed indefinitely until they can get repairs, you know, just things like this happen. And in an AmeriCorps role, I think there is room to help with community outreach during those times where people need it most. And so being somewhat adaptable day to day, as far as I know that I have this list of things that I need to get done. But I also know these five community partners that I could reach out to and say, hey, is there anything that we could do to help you right Mm -hmm. now? And just really taking each day as it comes as much as possible.
1: Fantastic. The the thing I just wanted to kind of mention because it it hit me, uh, you know, I I agree that we are in the midst uh, midst of a mental health crisis Mm -hmm. in our country but I also do see that education and awareness is on the rise. People are becoming more understanding that it is a crisis. And, you know, there's they're starting to be not necessarily less of a stigma, but there's just more education awareness around it. And just to say that, you know, I've done these trainings now for a few hundred people. And almost universally, I won't say 100%, but like 99.5% of the people that I've had the opportunity to train with or train train them, they are hungry for this training. Mm-hmm. I know there's lots of trained people do mandatory. Again, I work in a school system. A lot of people I teach are school educators, and they have mandatory PD they have to do. Maybe they don't come to all of those eager for what they're going to learn. Some of it might be repetitive. But almost everybody in these courses, they are hungry for this information that we are providing them. Maybe because it is so needed. That might be the, the, the negative connotations of it. But if you're there and you're, as you said, you're present and you want to present this and you want to have this connection that does a lot of the heavy lifting I have found in my trainings to get people to buy into what we're talking about. Because I think if it's truly valuable training that we're giving. People absolutely might save a life because of the training. I tell people you don't have to save a life to, for this training to be impactful, but you easily could. Like tomorrow you might be talking to someone and just knowing to say this might help them. Like, it doesn't have to be dramatic, you know, like, oh, I've saved this person's life. Cause you, cause you may not know. And again, I'll get off my high horse here, but, you know, I work with kids. We do the youth mental health first aid. You may not know that you saved a person's life just by being the only caring adult in their life or being like a, a caring person in their life, but you absolutely might. So I just like to think about that in my trainings that, you know, again, it's, you're not like a superhero with a cape where you know you saved the day, but just caring about people kind of makes you that superhero. Right. Anyway, get off, my, get off my hours. Okay. So uh, the last thing I always like to ask people is that, you know, we knew we were going to talk today. Uh, we set this up a while ago. So you may have been thinking about, well, what do I want to share? What do I want to say? What am I excited about? So was there something that you were kind of hoping that we would have an opportunity to talk about, but none of my questions gave you the opportunity to share? So just take a moment. If there's something you want to share, just just pretend I asked the right question and then answer it.
0: I think the. That- main thing I was hoping we would talk about, you just introduced and somewhat wrapped up pretty perfectly, which is, (laughs) (laughs) I think most people who come to a training, and I just, I want to emphasize this for for any AmeriCorps member who hasn't taught a training before, who just went through their instructor training and is, you know, on the verge of of training for the first time, that people come with a good attitude and they want to learn, right? And um, the only the only thing that usually would stop somebody from doing that is like a past bad experience with the training. And you can be that first great experience that they have in that type of space. So there's always an opportunity to make somebody's, you know, training experience Mm -hmm. better than they thought it would be or better than they imagined it could be. And I think there is hope, you know, I know that mental health epidemic sounds very negative and I think it's honest, right? And and we can't really start to address the scope of the crisis until we acknowledge the burden that it has on populations, right? Um, I think one of the most hopeful things I think about the training, which I really believe in the mental health first aid curriculum, I think it's well done, and that makes it that much easier to train. Um, the fact that it emphasizes multiple times that substance use disorders are Mental disorders that they are under that umbrella, um, and really thinking about you know things like the opioid epidemic, the impact that fentanyl has on our communities, that substance use disorders are valid, that they are not people's choice, right, and that this is part of the epidemic that we're talking about, and that we can start to address it as a community. And that piece of you may not be saving a life directly, you may not be you know knowing that you're wearing a cape. Especially with our grant, you know, when we applied for this SAMHSA grant, the message was we know that we're not going to produce a ton of superheroes, but we're going to produce a community of people who are more educated, who are more willing to help even a stranger who might be, you know, experiencing signs and symptoms or might be in crisis. I had a trainee who said, you know, when I go to work and I'm getting paid, I put on a hat where I'm ready to help people but if I'm on the bus and I'm on my time off and someone tries to talk to me, I don't like that. And by the end of the training, they had started reconsidering that view that they held. And we had this great discussion about self-care and about you know knowing when you need to set a boundary because you're not in a space to help somebody. Um, but the willingness to help, I think, is is something that people get out of this training and the belief that even using part of mental health first aid even listening non-judgmentally to somebody that you can't be consistent support for but you can listen in that moment when they really need it you know even those things can go a long way and the more people are trained whether it's mental health first aid or you know assist applied suicide intervention skills training is a fantastic training there are lots of things in the mental health realm that people can take but the more people get some sort of evidence-based education the more we create a network of empathy where we can hold people who otherwise might not have a safety net or might not have a support anywhere to turn especially when we think about you know delayed waits for appointment times people who are uninsured you know people who are in recovery we don't heal without community we don't prevent without community so that's that's my hope
1: As we bring this week's episode to a close, I just want to once again say thank you to Lily for joining me today and sharing about her experiences working for Cascadia. As we bring this week's episode to a close, I just want to once again say thank you to Lily for joining me today and sharing about her experience of serving with Cascadia. I hope you've enjoyed listening and I hope you'll join us again next time when we have another amazing guest on to chat with. As a reminder... If you are interested in becoming a service member, have any questions about serving, or maybe your organization would like to become a host site, you will find information and links to follow in our show notes.